Catherine the Fake, the fraudster who conned her way around rural Ireland. She's evil. I mean, she's ruined so many people's lives. She was a very strange individual. A very strange person. I could have called stop at any time, but I was afraid. She's like an eel, always moving around. Nobody will ever catch her on. She's very clever, cunning, manipulative person. Florist turned fraudster Catherine O'Brien has left a trail of destruction in her wake, and now she is being hunted by Gardaí. I'm Anne Murphy, and this is Catherine the Fake, an Irish Examiner investigative podcast. Part 4. Horses for Courses When a teenage boy answers his mobile phone in County Galway, he is a little perturbed when I ask if he knows a woman called Catherine O'Brien. It is clear he has never heard of her, nor of another woman called Amy Power a pseudonym believed to have been used on occasions by the elusive Cork woman. The phone number has been linked to both names in the past. The boy is so taken aback that he mentions the call to his parents that night. They decide to check why someone was so adamant that the phone number of their son belonged to somebody else. The boy has had that number for the past year or so, his mum tells me. The family were unaware that the same number belonged to Catherine O'Brien a number of years ago and remains the only number some people have for contacting her or a woman they knew as Amy Power. The number has now been recirculated because Catherine changed it some years ago and abandoned its replacement in favour of a series of other phone numbers since. The number she was believed to have most recently no longer rings. Much to the frustration of so many people desperate to get in touch with her including the Irish Examiner. Calls to a Waterford man thought to be close to her are left unanswered, while text messages and emails are also unreturned. Some people know her as Catherine O'Brien, while others knew her only as Kate or even Katie. Others still believe they knew her by different names completely, including the name of Amy Power. Her home address at Ballon Road in Dungarvan, County Watford, remains empty, while another address she has given people as her home has no link to her whatsoever. Although that address is in the Buttevant area, her relations don't live there. The occupants don't know Catherine O'Brien and a number of people who have called to the house seeking her out reached a dead end. In one case, a man with whom she had business dealings travelled from Leinster to the address she had given him. He didn't find out until then that she had not lived in Buttevant for many years, but had been living instead in Dungarvan. Although she is lying low, Gardaí believes some people close to her are still in touch with her and may know her whereabouts. At her abandoned home in Dungarvan, mail which had been stuck in the post box on my first visit there was no longer there when I returned to the property. The Scarlet Pimpernel type figure she has become, evading both the law and people who claim to have lost hundreds of thousands of euro to her business schemes, 
has left a trail of destruction in her wake, from the west coast, across the Midlands and south, to the east coast. Among those whose paths crossed with her are a small number of people who are either terminally ill or have died since losing money to her. Their families are still trying to piece together the trail of destruction left by their involvement with Catherine O'Brien. Friendships have broken down with people blaming each other for introducing her schemes into their lives, while marital relationships have also been put under pressure. Six live fraud cases are still being investigated by Gardaí on foot of complaints made about Catherine O'Brien. The full extent of the losses suffered by innocent victims, including the amount of money and the number of people affected, is unknown. But the money involved is potentially in the millions. Catherine started small with a floristry shop, but getting involved in thoroughbred horses introduced her to big money ventures. One complaint still under investigation involves a horse investment scheme through a website set up to target people interested in thoroughbred horses. Another relates to a scheme involving investment in a property that was allegedly for sale in France, also linked to the horse racing industry. The website, which no longer exists, carried a list of services including racehorse purchase and management and investment opportunities. The blurb regarding investment opportunities read that private clients were being provided with the opportunity to acquire permanent residency in Ireland through the government-backed Immigrant Investor Programme. The blurb added, We currently have a small number of opportunities for our clients to invest in Ireland, gaining residency in return. Two men are also believed to have been linked to the website. The site also offered select equine consignment for private clients to ensure that each horse will be well presented at sales, looking and feeling its best. The website gave an address in Merrion Square in Dublin as the global offices of the company. A phone number on the website no longer belongs to Catherine O'Brien, but it is one of the numbers she was known to use in the past. Gardaí are not commenting in relation to the complaints against her but sources say that she is wanted for questioning about some of them. The Director of Public Prosecutions has ordered charges in connection with others. The live cases refer to allegations relating to the past three or four years, with the most recent being a year ago, according to Garda sources. The fallout from her actions continues. Staff and volunteers at the Wicklow-based Irish Horse Welfare Trust are currently caring at huge expense for 25 horses which were seized in Ballygarrett County, Wexford, in June 2019. A bench warrant for Catherine remains live following her convictions in her absence last year on 34 counts of animal welfare legislation breaches relating to the horses. As this podcast was being produced, we learned that Catherine O'Brien is seeking a judicial review of that court decision. Chief Executive of the Trust, Sharon Power, says more than €250,000 has been spent on caring for the thoroughbred animals in the past three years. The animals will remain in the care of the Trust while a bench warrant for her arrest remains live. She was convicted under Section 12.1 of the Animal Health and Welfare Act 2013, which carries penalties of up to €250,000 and or imprisonment of up to five years.
also under the legislation. A convicted person can be the subject of an order from the judge disqualifying them from owning, having any interest in, keeping, dealing in or having charge or control directly or indirectly of an animal. Gardaí are not the only ones waiting for closure on the horse welfare case. So too are the staff at the Irish Horse Welfare Trust. It's an awful strain on a relatively small charity. I mean, any horse is expensive to keep and you can imagine 25 of them thoroughbreds as well. They're a high maintenance horse. We can't do anything with them until the resolution of the court case and until this bench warrant is conducted and she's brought before the judge for sentencing because mm-hmm. that, at that stage then the judge said he can deal with the issue of the horses. While the Irish Horse Welfare Trust gets some state grant aid, the organisation also relies on donations and fundraising, which she said was non-existent during COVID-19. She continues. And it's also meant that because we're clogged up with horses that we can't rehome yet, it limits our numbers that we can take in. You know, we're still doing our best not to turn away rescue cases and we're asked to deal with them. But, you know, it, it does mean that there's limited capacity from what we can actually house. I mean, normally speaking, we have anywhere between 60 and 70 in the winter. But, I mean, you know, like you could say, a third of our capacity at the moment is taken up with those horses that have been there for, since 2019. She says that the trust is basically holding the horses on behalf of Gardaí until the case is closed. She continues. I doubt there's ever been a case involving this. Well, there hasn't been. I know there hasn't been a case involving this amount of horses that has gone on for this long. It's a charity that's picking up the cost here. She accepts that this is the raison d'etre of the charity. But she said. Our objective is to rescue, rehabilitate and rehome. We can't keep taking in horses if we don't rehome them. The Trust has concerns about increasing costs as we face into the winter. The price of hay bales has risen from between 30 and 35 euro last year to between 50 and 55 euro per bale this year. It's a huge increase. And I mean, they're feeding that amount of animals through the winter. It's colossal. And I mean, thoroughbred horses aren't like your average pony either. You know, they're high maintenance. They take Mm -hmm. a lot of feeding on top of fodder, you know, to keep them in good condition. And then there's ongoing vaccinations, of ongoing hoof care, ongoing worming. I mean, it's a huge cost. And then it's the staffing cost of looking after them. Thoroughbred horses are not as tough as native breeds. The Trust currently has just two full-time and one part-time staff members, as well as volunteers. You know, it's difficult to keep looking after these horses with, at the moment, no sight in, in, at the end. Miss Power believes that there is a weakness in animal welfare legislation in cases such as this as there is no provision for individual cases which are not concluded in the courts. The horses cannot be put up for adoption until the case is concluded. Well, we haven't put them up for adoption because we can't. They're not ours to put up for adoption. And on top of that, like, we can't, I mean, they are microchips, but, I mean, we can't even get passports for them because, I mean, to get a passport, you have to have a name of an owner on the passport. So until the issue of ownership is resolved, you know, we can't get passports for them. It's an absolute mess. The way the legislation is set up currently, I mean, it's it's the judge deals with the issue of disposal of horses in cases like this. The Irish Horse Welfare Trust has raised its concerns around the current legislation with the Department of Agriculture in the hope that it will be looked at in the future. Miss Power believes other charities working in animal welfare have experienced such difficulties in the past, but stresses that those cases would have involved fewer less expensive horses and a lesser amount of time. She points out that some of the animals in the care of the Trust are heading into their twilight years, 
which will make it more difficult to rehome them when the time comes. She is keen to stress that the staff and volunteers at the Trust are very fond of the horses, saying they are a lovely bunch of horses, but says it may be too late for them to be adopted by the time the case concludes. Nobody will take on an elderly racehorse with health problems. It's simply too expensive. Eight of the horses which were seized initially had to be put down because of health issues. One was very elderly, while others had severe health problems. Miss Power says that the fact that the horses are all thoroughbreds will also make it difficult to find homes for them because they are not typically used as riding horses. But she adds, We have not been able to try to find them homes and I'm sure there were homes lost there over the last three years for some of them. But we couldn't put the horses forward for those homes. A man who remembers Catherine O'Brien from her days growing up in Buttevant says it has been a long time since he last saw her, but he does recall her being problematic. Of the last time he saw her, he recalls thinking that she appeared to be doing well for herself. The last time I saw her was on the road from town driving a new top of the range Range Rover at the time. He does not want to be identified out of respect for her family. Another man who encountered the woman he knew as Kate O'Brien up to a dozen times describes her as appearing to be one of the most intelligent people he has ever met. He described her as being very good at what she does, adding She comes across as self-deprecating and kind of insecure. But he says that underneath this persona was a very different person who has managed to keep mostly off of social media platforms, making her more difficult to trace. He adds I have never come across anyone remotely like her. She's a bit of a genius. Paddy Donoghue, who runs the veterinary supplies business in Clare, remembers her as charming and assertive, well able to persuade people to become involved in business opportunities she presented. He says, Oh, she was charming and she seemed very smart and very um, able-minded. You know, nothing would be a problem, like. He says she was well able to speak legal jargon, persuading people that she was working in law. She would lead you to believe that she was in the legal profession of some description, yet she never answered any question directly. You automatically presume that it was, it was legal that she was involved in and that um, she was well able to talk to jargon, evading, when you think back in it, she was evading the questions of what was right or what was, you know, she was evading the questions, but yet she could just, she would get around you by answering questions. And she seemed to be able to convince me anyway that's what she was in the legal profession. To me, it seemed uh, um, a perfect um, opportunity to do some business with her and, um, and that I did. He felt that supplying her for her veterinary business planned for Dungarvan would be a good opportunity for him to expand his business into Watford. But instead, he ended up not being paid for the products he supplied to her. These type of people are very, very well able to to influence you or well able to to well able to hoodwink you you know and it was i'd say i wasn't the first person that she was pulling the wool over quite intimidating if you took her on in any way that you know you might have doubted her or questioned her like she was well able to back herself up and she wasn't afraid to stand up and you know she was confident and i mean she was never rude or threatening or abusive or anything like that only that she was so confident that she would hoodwink you very quickly he believes she knew exactly what she was doing. She knew that she was able to get stuff and she was able to use the people around her and use the context and use the confidence that other people had in each other to benefit her, you know. 
Among those over whom Catherine O'Brien had failed to cast her spell was Senator David Norris. He says that he was approached by her. She invited him to her farm to see a horse she claimed was gay. He dropped in out of politeness, he told the Irish Examiner in an email, but he had no interest in becoming involved in any of her plans. He declined to say any more. Attempts have been made to contact Catherine O'Brien by phone, email, at her home and through a number of solicitors who have acted on her behalf over the past 20 years. However, all attempts were unsuccessful. The Gardaí are looking for Catherine O'Brien. The Irish Examiner is looking for her too. If you have information relating to her whereabouts, contact me on n.murphy at examiner.ie. Catherine the Fake was researched and written by me, Anne Murphy. The podcast was produced by Deirdre O'Shaughnessy, recorded by Jim Collin, with sound design by JJ Vernon. Catherine the Fake features the vocal talents of Jim Collin, Owen English, Neve Griffin, Esther Irwin, Leo O'Shaughnessy and Michael Gary. And the graphics were done by Tiernan King and the Irish Examiner visual design team. Photography and video used on irishexaminer.com by Dan Linehan and Eddie O'Hare. If you have information about Catherine O'Brien and her whereabouts, contact me on n.murphy at examiner.ie and keep an eye on irishexaminer.com for more updates on Catherine the Fake.